over the last year, we've looked at um, we've looked at a bunch of different um, scriptures and a bunch of different books, and um, and there's this kind of repeating theme that we keep going around this like this circle that we keep going around, and and really simply, it's looking at like who God is. So, what is the character of God? Who is He? Um, what is then? How does that then shape our identity? And then the third area that we kind of keep looking at is what does that then mean for how we live? And so every every book that we've been going through kind of um, is with these lenses in mind. And so we've been looking at over the last year, we've looked at the book of Amos, we've looked at um, what our identity is in 2 Corinthians, in Psalm 139, um, we've looked at Isaiah 55 over the last month, we've sat in the I Am series, um, which was looking at the I Am sayings of Jesus and, and who he is. Um, and so one of the things that we need to be really good at is we keep, we look a lot at who God is. We look at his character. We look at the fact that we are people of grace. Um, we have been saved by grace and therefore that changes how we live. And so one of the things that we want to do more and more is talk about what does this mean for us in the day to day? How does this change how we actually live? And in the season we're moving into, we know that we've looked at God's character deeply. And so we want to look at what does that mean where his character overflows in us and transforms us in every single area of our lives. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to jump into a bunch of scriptures. Father, we come before you tonight, Osavo, tonight. And uh, and Father, I want to pray that we would come before you with a real humility in our hearts. I want to pray that we would be people who are just learning. I want to pray that we would yearn to just know your word, know who you are. Father, I want to pray for that there would be a real excitement over us that any lethargy we carry as we come into this room, any any baggage that we carry, Father, I want to pray that you would meet us where we're at, that you would speak life and joy and fulfillment into us. I want to thank you that you're a God that just loves us so, so much, that you know where we're at. And so, Father, as we enter your word this, this afternoon, I want to pray that you would just reveal who you are in it, that you would transform our thinking, that you would inspire us to just a better way of life. And Father, we thank you that where your spirit is, there is life, there is freedom, there is fulfillment, and we just pray that over us as a family. In your name, amen. When I was growing up, we had this um, this red Mitsubishi Express, this big van. Um, it had it had curtains. Um, it couldn't go over 80 on the highway. If you started going over 80, it just would shake. Um, and it was it was a good van, like a lot of culture, a lot of character, um, but it wasn't a great car. I remember my dad gave it to me when I was like 17, 18, and I'd like when I was dating Amy, I'd drive from Hornsby to Kenthurst, and that would be petrol, the petrol tank done. I'd have to fill it up every time. It was just the worst. And um, I remember being really little. We were on this trip going to Tamworth, going to see my cousins, and um, I remember my dad saying to me, like, the engine's about to blow up. And I remember as a kid just freaking out because he's sitting there. He said the most like simple statement, the engine's going to blow up. And as a six, seven year old, I just, I took that literally. And so he said that he got out of the car to go fill it up with petrol and go talk to someone about it. And I remember sitting in the car, just freaking out going, dad, what are you doing? Like, why are you leaving me in this car? Like, why are you? And it wasn't until like a week ago. And I, like, I was in a conversation where someone said, like Amy said, um, the, the engine's about to blow or whatever. And I remember just had this freak out moment where I just went, oh, and it wasn't until I like traced it back and went, oh, that's, it was, I was holding on to that from six year old. Like I've held that for 24 years. 
Um, and we do it, like we carry things. Like marriage prep is all about looking at the things that we carry going into a relationship and the little triggers that we have because we grow up and we have these, like every family is unique, every family is different, um, every family is odd and we carry these things from our, from our childhood. Some of them are really good, some of them are really, really difficult and every, everything in between. And I grew up with this understanding of heaven that I was taught from like as a kid. And um, I talk a lot about heaven and I'm going to do that for like all my days because heaven is just the most exciting thing and we need to talk about this so much more than we do. Um, but I had this understanding of heaven. I think I picked it up from when I was about a 10-year-old. And my mom got me to read these Frank Peretti books. Now, Frank Peretti was this like, Christian author and they were all the rage like 20 years ago. Um, and one of the books he wrote about was The Rapture. And so the rapture was this theology where in Revelations it talks about how there will be this moment where God will take everyone from this earth who follows God, follows him, um, and he'll take them from, from, um, from here and they'll go to heaven. And so the rapture was this idea where Frank Peretti started writing these books about it. And, and so in the books, you'd be walking along the street and all of a sudden just, you'd see someone in front of you and the clothes would just drop to the ground and they'd vanish like that. And so there was this whole like series like that. And I grew up with this understanding of heaven where there'd be a rapture. Um, but that was kind of it. I never had any imagination about heaven. I never really thought about heaven. I never really had any creative thinking around heaven. And it's only been the last few years where God's been like pushing into me in this and saying like, I want you to learn. I want you to grow in this. I want you to be inspired. Um, and so tonight we're going to look at what is normal in heaven. Um, and it's going to like, it changes the way that we live. I know, and I can say this with so much confidence that the way, the journey that God has been taking me on over the last few years has genuinely dramatically changed my day to day. It's changed my thinking. It's changed the sort of dad I am. It's changed little moments for me. It's changed big perspective. Um, and so tonight we're just going to sit in this idea of, of what is normal in heaven. And therefore, what does that mean for us? So if you've got if you've got your Bibles, open up. We're going to look at Revelation 21, and uh, and this this passage is the best. So Revelation 21 says this: Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so there was a generation that went before us that grew up with this idea of the rapture where we would be taken from earth and we would be taken to heaven. Um, and I grew up with this like mentality and it's only been the last few years where this has shifted. Um, this, this passage is saying something radically different. Um, this passage is saying that I am making everything new. Not all new things, not a new heaven, but he's going to make all things new. And there's this understanding, this beautiful interpretation of Scripture in, in Revelation 21 where God is coming back to earth to renew the earth. He's coming back to the earth to redeem the earth. The holy city of Jerusalem is not something we will go to. It's something that will come to us. And, and God will make his, um, his living place amongst mankind. And so what this understanding is, it's in Matthew 19 verse 28. And it says, I tell you the truth at the renewal of all things. 
And so one of the ideas of the kingdom of heaven, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, when we talk about ushering in the kingdom of heaven, it's this idea that we are not waiting to go to heaven. It's not this destination that we will then go to. It's this understanding that God is passionate about renewing and redeeming all things. That when he created the Garden of Eden, that was perfection, that was beauty. And what he wants to do is recreate the Garden of Eden and renew it even better than what it was originally. Um, when we talk about ushering in the kingdom of heaven, it is this understanding that heaven itself will come to earth. Heaven itself will take over earth and the kingdom of heaven will reign on earth and Jesus will reign on earth in a renewed creation. We, our bodies will be renewed. The animals will be renewed. Um, nature will be renewed. We've talked about the rocks praising out um, praises and worship to God. Every single aspect of the world will be renewed. It will be so much more magnificent than what it is now. But all of creation will be renewed. God is not doing all new things. He is making everything that is new. It's been a theology that's kind of changed everything that, everything about how I view scripture. And this Lewis had this, this understanding. So if you look at Lewis's writing, writings, Bowl talked about this last week. They're filled with this imagery. They're filled with this creativity. Tolkien, Lewis, these are guys who wrote these books and they, they got it. They had these vivid imaginations of what heaven would be like because they understood that it was this ushering in of the kingdom in the here and now and redeeming what Eden was supposed to be, redeeming what the Garden of Eden was supposed to be. And so we're going to go into that. We're going to do a huge series on what that actually means, what that actually looks like. Um, but the one thing that I wanted us to, to really get like practically tonight was this idea that we as a people need to start having this, we need to get this mentality that what will be normal in heaven, um, let's desire that now. So instead of waiting for what heaven will be, we are called and Jesus is calling us constantly throughout scripture to usher in the kingdom of heaven. He constantly says the kingdom of heaven will be like and then calls us to participate in the renewing of this world. He calls us to participate in the ushering in of the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. What will be normal in heaven let's desire that now love joy peace deep relationships freedom laughter creativity these are things that like will just be natural overflows in heaven there'll be no more crying no more tears no more cancer no more oppression no more injustice no more hunger no more slavery no more war no more sickness no more poverty we live in a world where in a few days the Chinese dog festival is about to start. And if you've ever looked at what the Chinese dog festival is, like it is brutal. Um, they take thousands of dogs, they skin them alive and they torch them alive and then they eat them. Um, they steal all these pets. So most of these dogs aren't just street dogs, they're pets, they're people's pets. And then they eat them and they brutally kill these animals. Um, this idea of ushering in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is concerned with all of creation. He is concerned with all of nature. He is concerned with our lives, but he is concerned with everything that he has created. And heaven will be a renewing of all of the things that he has poured his life into, that he has poured his creativity into, that he has poured his voice into. And so our mandate in this life is to deeply be concerned with the things that he is concerned with. Um, he is concerned with ethics. He is, God is concerned with how the planet is, is operating. He is concerned with the fact that in a few days, all these dogs are going to be skinned alive and that's the best that humanity has to offer. Um, he's not okay with this and so therefore we need to not be okay with this. How are we ushering in the kingdom of heaven? 
And so we've been looking at like a few passages that have been really helpful for me personally. I want to go through these tonight. The first is in Amos 9. So Amos is this book. We went through it for about 12 weeks. And it's a full-on book in the Old Testament. It's a book of judgment. So throughout the book of Amos, there's nine, eight and a half chapters where God is judging the Israelites because they haven't looked after the poor and the marginalized, because they've been selfish, because they haven't looked to their neighbor to help their neighbor. And so judgment comes to Israel, God's people. And the Assyrians come from, um, from above Israel and they dominate Israel. They take away God's people by a remnant of people. And in the end of chapter 9 of Amos, God gives them this this small message of hope. And it's this beautiful imagery that's that's stuck with me ever since we did Amos nearly a year ago. In Amos 9 verse 14, it says this, and it's this message of hope that stands with us today. I will bring back my exiled people Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and they will live in them. They will plant vineyards and they will drink their wine and they will make gardens and they will eat their fruit. And in this In this verse, um, you've got this message of hope for what God is going to do in renewing Israel, um, but you can also then apply it to what he's trying to do in renewing the earth, in redeeming the earth, in ushering in the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. And so you have these three images that have stuck with me. We're called to rebuild the ruined cities. We're called to plant vineyards and we're called to make gardens. In Amos 9, he goes on to say, In that day, I will restore its broken places. I will restore its ruins and build it as it used to be. The days are coming, says the Lord. A renewal of all things. And so the beautiful thing that we have is this mandate that we are called to participate with God in the renewal of all things in 2018. We are not called to stand on the sidelines. We are not called to have this theology or this vision of heaven where it is a place that we will go and therefore we just chill out in this life. We get our salvation and then we just, we just walk away. We are called to participate in the renewal of all things. We are called to overflow with God's heart in the world in which we live. Um, we are called to overflow his joy and his peace and his compassion. We are called to overflow his, his deep, deep care for justice in this world. Um, we are called to go and do. We are called, this is the vision that he's giving Israel. Go and plant gardens. Go and rebuild the city walls. Go and participate. Go and work. Go and do. Um, go and usher in the kingdom of heaven. And so there's two things that we do when we gather. And I want to just name these out because they're really important for us. The first thing that we do when we gather on a Sunday afternoon, like we are a hundred people here. We come from different walks of life. Um, we have different passions. Um, we have different personalities. There's things that some of us are good at that some of us aren't. There's other things that some of us are good at that, we, that others aren't. Um, we care about different things. And we go into our lives during the week and we are a group of 100 people. And we have morning, our morning community as well. It's about 200 people. And so we have about 300 people who make up our community here at Dural um, who are scattered throughout Sydney. We go to different places. We go to different workplaces. We have different families, thankfully. Um, we go to all these different spheres of influence where we've got different hobbies. Um, we've got different things that we care about. And we all scatter. And so we are a, a community of people who deeply love each other. We are a family who deeply loves each other, but we are a scattered community. And that's a real beautiful thing. And what, what this passage in Amos is, is saying is this, it's this picture of hope. It's this picture of purpose. And what we do when we gather together is we are then called to go scatter throughout Sydney. 
And we are called to then go plant gardens. We are called to plant vineyards. We are called to rebuild the city walls in every sphere of influence that we are called to participate in. We are a scattered people. What does this actually mean? Well, what it means is every time we outwork the kingdom, we are planting gardens. So what does it look like to outwork the kingdom of heaven? We know that um, we know that it outworks in so many different ways, but some of the ways that Jesus was deeply passionate about and the language he used. So you've got Galatians 5, where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. He talks about these attributes that would be this overflow. When the Spirit is alive and well in us, there will be this overflow of characteristics that come out in us. We know, if you've ever been to a wedding that I've been a part of, you will know the definition of what love is. Love is a laying down of our life for our neighbor. It's having a greater vision for our neighbor than we have for ourselves. When we actually have that fruit in our lives, where we go into our workplace, or you go into your family, and you have a deeper vision for their lives than you have for your own, you will change your workplace. If you go into your uni and you have a deeper vision for the people in your uni than you have for yourself, and think about how radical that actually is, you will change your university, you will change the people in which you come in contact with, and you will plant gardens in their life. We're called to be a people of peace. We live in an anxious culture. We live in a culture that is always worrying, that is always fearful. We're called to be people of peace. We're called to outwork gentleness. If you're a parent, this is the hardest thing in the world. Kids are the best, but they're little psychos. And in the middle of the night, if you've got like your little like you're an Eli coming at you at 3 a.m. in the morning, just screaming at you, the easiest thing in the world is to scream back. It is. Kids are amazing. They can break you. Now, my, as a parent, like in any, any parents in this room or grandparents will get this, um, it's easy to respond with the same things that they are coming at you with. Um, but what we are called to do is usher in the kingdom of heaven in the practical ways in our lives. We're called to do that in every relationship. And so when, when one of these little psycho kids like comes at you, we're called to speak gentleness over them. When they come with anxiety or fears or anger or whatever it is, their little crazy minds, we are called to speak gentleness over them. It's not a natural posture. This is the, the outworking of the Spirit. And so we are called, when we do that, when we actually do that, say, in a child's life, we plant gardens in their life. We plant vineyards in their life. We show them a better way and we allow the kingdom of heaven to birth in their lives in a way that they haven't experienced before. And so every relationship that we have is an opportunity to birth gardens in people's lives where the kingdom of God wants to create something that is deeply beautiful, where the kingdom of God wants to create vineyards that taste really, really good. The gospel is not meant to be bland. It is not meant to be boring. It is not meant to be lukewarm. The gospel is meant to taste really, really, really good. When we are in our workplaces, when we are in our families, wherever it is that you are called to be, gardens should be good. Vineyards should be good. Rebuilding city walls should be really good. They should offer protection. You should be a posture of safety and of peace in the communities in which you are called to be a part of. Bless the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 is another way to look at what it looks like to usher in the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. This is what Jesus was concerned about. The kingdom of heaven will be unto these. Blessed are the peacemakers. When you speak life over someone, when you speak the, the Jesus over someone, when you pray for someone, you are ushering in the kingdom of heaven for them. You are being a peacemaker. You are building gardens in their life. 
And so where Satan is trying to control, where he's trying to manipulate, he's trying to confuse, he's trying to create cultures where anxiety, where fear and worry are normal. That's what he is trying to do. We are in the business of rebuilding the city walls to usher in the kingdom of heaven. Or another way to put it, we are concerned with asking the question, what will be normal in heaven and how do we outwork that now? How do we build gardens in people's lives? How do we build vineyards in cultures and in societies that are anxious and that are broken? How do we rebuild the city walls? There's so many ways we can do this. Talk to the ignored, prioritize the lowly, love the least of these, be concerned with ethics, respond to our kids with peace instead of anger, listen, be really good at listening, be kind, be kind to the people in our lives, be slow to speak. And sometimes we have these wrong mindsets when it comes to this scattered church. We um, Often we look at the, the pastor or we look at leaders as the ones who usher in the kingdom of heaven and and, and Gage, you nailed it. We are a priesthood of all believers. And what that means is every one of us carries the spirit. None of us are more important than anyone else. And what it means is when we go out into Sydney, we are as a church 300 strong where we are scattered throughout Sydney to plant gardens, to allow the spirit to do what he wants to do, to speak life over Sydney as a whole. What it means practically is the social worker who goes out and works with abused kids, displaced children, doing countless hours of paperwork so they have the credibility to be able to do that job that's planting gardens the teacher who spends 40 years patiently investing love and joy and wisdom into kids that aren't their own that's planting vineyards in people's lives the businessman the businesswoman who is concerned with looking after things that are after where things are sourced who looks after the employees who cares deeply about ethics that's rebuilding the city walls the mum who faithfully changes nappies, who deals with the long nights, who patiently looks for after her kids when no one else is watching, has planting gardens in children's lives. It's the most beautiful thing that we can do. This is what Mother Teresa was all about. Mother Teresa was all about really, really small actions most people would never, ever see. But she understood that the least of these is how we outwork the kingdom of heaven. In the smallest little details where we care about the lost, we care about the lonely, we care about the isolated, we care about the least of these. And then we outwork the kingdom of heaven. And so we have this, when we gather, we are going out throughout Sydney during the week and we are a scattered community and that's a really beautiful thing. That's what the local church is. But then we come together and we are a unified community. Um, we can accomplish so many things when we scatter throughout this, this um, throughout our, our city. But we can accomplish incredible things when we come together and we have a unified vision. And so one of the things we need to be really good at going into the future is looking at who are we as a community of people and what are we passionate about? What do we want to be involved in? As 100 people strong, 120 people strong, what do we want to be a part of in outworking the kingdom of heaven in the world in which we live? We can plant some incredible gardens as a family. In Isaiah 58, one of the best passages, I have a turn to it. We've looked at Isaiah 55 for the last month, and, um, and this is Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 7 says this. It says, Is not the, thing, the kind of fasting that I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away your own flesh and blood? 
In Isaiah 58, you have this beautiful picture of what it looks like to outwork the kingdom of heaven, what it looks like to take on God's heart for the world and the things that he is concerned with. God is really concerned with justice. He is really concerned that we look after the least of these. And so we have, um, in our lo- we have two, two areas in this. The first is we have the least of these in our local community. And so we have some really practical ways that we go about trying to address the issues that our culture is facing, that our society is facing. We live in a time where people are isolated. No matter how much money you have, it's, in fact, it's proven, the more money you have, the more isolated you are. We live in a time where people are isolated, they are lonely. We live in a time where mental health is dramatically increasing, where depression is increasing, where suicide is increasing. And what our community needs more than anything is is hope. And what our community needs secondary to that is deep community. It needs to be in communities where they can rely on people and people can rely on them. It needs to be in communities where laughter is second nature. It needs to be in communities where there is something, they're caught up in something that is so much bigger than themselves because that's what we all want to be caught up in. This is why we run things like youth ministry. It's why we do things like men's shed um, because we want to build places of deep community. It's why we have really high standards of leadership in those places because we want to build really deep communities in those areas um, because we really care about our local community. And so we focus on that really heavily. But what we're also called to is we're also called to the wider world in which we live. If we just focus on Sydney, if we just focus on the hills, then we've missed it. Like we've really, really missed it. And so one of the things I love about Dural is we have always had this vision that is so much bigger than ourselves. We've had this global vision that is just really, really encouraging and beautiful. We've been a part of changing the Solomon Islands, the nation of the Solomon Islands. Um, and some of the work that has been done in that, in that nation is just ridiculous. It's beautiful to be a part of. But one of the things we want to do is we want to be creative. So as a community of people, we want to usher in the kingdom of heaven really practically for the least of these throughout the world in which we live. We want to plant gardens for those who are on less than a dollar a day. We want to plant gardens for those who don't have a voice. We want to plant gardens for those people who, when they wake up in the morning, they don't wake up with hope because they have no opportunity. And it's not because they haven't worked for it. It's not because they haven't been diligent or creative. It's because of where they were born. We want to be a people, we want to be a community, we want to be a church that invites and ushers in the kingdom of heaven to the most unreached places in this world, to those who need um, who need the kingdom of heaven so, so much. And so what we want to do is we want to start thinking a little bit differently. We want to build on what we've built, on, built in the past and we want to be um, proactive. We want to be innovative. We want to be creative with how we do some of these things. And so there's been some changes that we're, we want to um, outwork and I want to take you guys on this journey because we want to invite um, not just us as a community into these changes, but what we want to do is we want to invite the sports centre into these changes. Um, so one of the things that we've done is that we want to focus really heavily on two areas of justice. So there's all these things that we do in regards to um, in regards to mission and in regards to partnerships. So for instance, we're in May Mission, our May Mission Appeal, and we do things like global interaction, which is about reaching the most unreached places in the world. Um, we look after, like we, we partner with people like, like Seru, we partner with Pete and Joe Ong. Um, we do some like partnerships that we want to maintain and we want to do them even better than we have um, already. But what I'm talking about is where we initiate justice for the least and for the the marginalised, where we really, really care about those who don't have clothes. We really care about those who don't have food. We really care about those who are living on less than a dollar a day. 
And so what we want to do is, is we want to um, go down a path where we prioritize justice in the Solomon Islands. So we've been doing this for a long time through futsal, but what we want to do is get creative with where we venture in the Solomon Islands and invite all of us into a vision that we, um, we can outwork for the least of those in the Solomon Islands. Um, kids that are or, like orphans, kids that are on the street, using things like futsal and tools like futsal to go and reach those who really, really need um, the outworking of the kingdom of heaven. And so we want to do that with the Solomons. We're going to talk about how we do that in the future. We're going to look at that really creatively. But what I want to talk about tonight is this idea that we want to partner with Baptist World Aid. So Baptist World Aid, really similar. Um, uh, they're really, really similar, like, like World Vision. And Baptist World Aid, one of, the, um, one of the people groups that they focus on is Nepal. And this is a people group that we as a church are going to, going to take on and we as a church are going to start getting behind. And so what we want to do is work out, apart from our main mission appeal, apart from our Christmas appeal where we um, pour $30,000 into those things, what we want to do is work out what does it look like for us on a daily basis to start um, planting gardens in Nepal, to start planting gardens for the least of these who are living on less than a dollar a day. Um, what does it look like for us to actually do that? We've been blessed with a sports center. We have over 3,000 people a week who walk into this sports center. And so we are caught up in something that is so much bigger than ourselves. We're caught up in something that is so much bigger than just this room. So there's a few things that we want to do um, that you guys are going to start seeing. And, and what I want to do is encourage you to start thinking because we have not come up with even a close to all the ideas. What we've done is we've, um, we've printed new uniforms in the center. And so everyone that comes in will see these new uniforms and on each sleeve, and they're good-looking uniforms, but on each sleeve you've got the Baptist World Aid logo and then you've got the Solomon Islands logo um, on each sleeve. When people walk into the foyer in the centre, there's going to be two huge stalls that are set up out there. And what it's going to be is going to be the easiest way for people to be able to partner um, with the Solomon Islands or with um, Baptist World Aid in Nepal in how to outwork justice. There's going to be child sponsorships on there. There's going to be a tap-and-go machine. So, for instance, in this tap-and-go machine, we'll put it on $2. And anyone can walk past, just put their card down, $2, and then you just donate $2 really easily. What it also means is when we come to feast, there'll be a tap-and-go machine that'll be out the front, and every time we walk in, you just put $2 in. Simplest thing in the world. And you think about, you start thinking about practically what this means. At the moment, we don't do this. But a really simple change, if I was to walk in every Sunday um, and give $2, what is that, $104, my maths is strong. If I was to do that, and, and like we know $2 means nothing, like absolutely nothing to us. If I was to do that for every week I came to feast, and let's say I come 52 weeks a year because I'm a legend, um, you give $2, $104 a year. And if we were to do that as a whole community, the most simple posture that we could take, we would give at least 10 grand a year. That's the most simple thing. In fact, we could just put the card, like the machine on the door and just swipe your card. You don't even know that swipes you on the way in. It'd be beautiful. Um, but the most simple change that we can do, um, but that's 10 grand that we're not giving in the moment that we can simply give. And this idea is that we want to, we want to change our mindset. We want to get more creative. We've just put in, um, a recycling machine. Every time we put a 10 cent bottle in, um, we, every time we put a bottle in, we get 10 cents back. And people are coming like with carloads of this stuff. It's crazy. Um, and people are collecting their $15 and just loving life. Um, 
but we, we can redeem this. We can renew this. We can do this better. And so what the sports center is going to do is when we're in the sports center, we'll collect bottles. We're going to put them in and you can, um, we're going to be able to punch in Baptist World Aid or the Solomon Islands. And we can partner in that way in a creative way. What it means is if you're a bit of a hoarder, go hoard some bottles, go to the streets, get some bottles. Um, but then go put them in, in, into this machine and then just start collecting money for Baptist World Aid off the Solomon Islands. They're things that we don't do at the moment, but they're really creative changes. If we get our heads around this, um, we can look back in 10 years' time, and this is one of the things that excites me. We can look back in 10 years' time and have had no real impact in regards to justice. Or we can look back in 10 years' time and be a community that looks back and goes, we were part of giving a million dollars. And imagine sitting like as a community, imagine being here and celebrating when we have given a million dollars because we've started to get ahead around creative ways in which we can initiate justice for the marginalized and for the poor. Um, this idea is about changing our mindset. Every ministry that we start, we just did kids inflatable world during the holidays. Every ministry that we start, we want to have it through the lens of what does this mean for justice? We charge $15 for kids to come and jump on jumping castles. It was the best. The future vision of what we're going to do for that ministry and for all ministries that charge money will be that we charge $14 and $1 goes to Baptist World Aid or goes to the Solomons. And our mindset is always justice focused. It's always prioritizing the least of these. And so I want to like encourage us, start thinking. It could be secondhand stalls that we run in the car park. It could be big events that we run. Um, but these are going to be two lenses that we look at and go, how do we constantly initiate justice for those who need it? How do we plant long-term sustainable gardens in these, in these um, places that deeply need them? What will be normal in heaven? Let's desire that now. Part of that is just about reframing our thinking. So I'm going to finish with this idea. We don't like talking about blessing. The reason we don't like talking about blessing is because we've grown up in a, in a time over the last 15, 20 years where the prosperity gospel has been really, really strong. Um, and so I don't want to go into the prosperity gospel now, but like the prosperity gospel is wrong. It is really unhelpful. This idea that when we give, we're always going to be blessed and God's going to give us something that's even bigger than that and something that's even better than that. When we give money, he's going to give us even more money. Um, it's, it's, it's wrong thinking. It's not biblical thinking. Look at Hebrews 11. Um, but what we've done is we've reacted too far the other way. And so we've lost this idea that God, there is blessing when we outwork the kingdom of heaven. We can't control what it looks like. We can't manipulate what it looks like. But there is always blessing when the kingdom of heaven is prioritized, where justice is prioritized. If you look at these two passages, they kind of prove it. In Amos 9, it says, I will bring back my exiled people Israel. Remember, this is the picture of hope for them. They will rebuild the ruined cities and they will live in them. They will plant vineyards and they will drink their wine. They will make gardens and they will eat their fruit. And it's this really simple idea that when we are involved in ushering the kingdom of heaven in, we ourselves will be blessed. We ourselves will will um, will enjoy the vineyards. We will enjoy the, the gardens. We will enjoy the safety of the city walls. The kingdom overflows for us. In Isaiah 58, and I just love this, Isaiah 58, verse 8 to 9, it says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. And then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then you will call, and the Lord will answer, and you will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. And here you have this passage where God is saying, This is my heart. Look after the least of these. Look up, Be concerned with justice. 
And when you are concerned with justice, verse 8 of Isaiah 58, your healing will appear. As a community, as a church, as a center of 3,000 people, when we prioritize justice, Isaiah 58 is telling us your healing will occur. It's beautiful promise. I'll finish on this. Last Sunday, Bol um, gave us space to have, um, to allow God to speak the prophetic over us, to allow him to speak visions over us. And God gave me this vision um, that was really cool. And Bol preached at Morning Church, and it was like part one and part two. And I want to share it with us because it blew my mind. Started off the vision where it was a desert, and there was a huge hill in the background of this desert. And I was just looking at the desert for the first few seconds of this picture. And then all of a sudden, out of the bottom of this picture of the desert, this huge hand came away and just took away the the front of this, this picture of the desert. And looking straight down, you could just see this ocean. And the ocean was wild. It was deep blue, um, but it was really beautiful. And in this, in this vision in the morning, like I just had this really beautiful understanding that that water was just God's grace. Um, and that's what was meant to be there. And so that was all the vision was in part one. And we got to last Sunday night and Bold did the same thing. He gave us space. And like God gave me this, this second chapter. And it was just, I'm really glad he did. And so he then... Um, in this picture, all of a sudden, the second hand came up where this huge hill was and it removed it from underneath. And there was this, this, this desert that was still there, but you had these huge, um, huge holes, massive holes that went down to this, this ocean down below. And all of a sudden, I saw these two hands and it was like they took this picture and they swiveled it and they turned it completely upside down. And so where the ocean was on the ground, the ocean was, a, the ocean was, um, the sky. And the ocean started to fall down. And where this desert was, this huge garden started to appear. And this garden started to like grow and grow. And it was really beautiful. And it was this really simple picture. And this thing that's been like really encouraging me over the last week. But when we allow God to do what he wants to do, he will be the one that births gardens. When we allow him to do what he wants to do, he will help us initiate justice. He will overflow in our hearts so that we care about the things that he cares about. And our lives will not be the deserts. Our lives will be these places that are really rich. They will be vineyards. They will be gardens that provide this beauty to the world in which we live. And that is done in the most small ways. That is done in the most menial ways. That is done when no one is looking. And that is done in the most grand things that we can be a part of in our culture. And so I just want to encourage us tonight in verse 11 and 12 of Isaiah 58 in, in this passage to finish. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the old foundations and you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. Let me pray for us. Father, we just want to thank you that you are a God of grace. Father, I want to thank you that your um, grace and your mercy is like water. And we're called to thirst for you. We're called to hunger for you. And I thank you that you never fail to deliver. I want to thank you that you um, birthed in us streams of living water. I want to thank you that you're a God that satisfies us above all else. And Father, as we look at these passages tonight, as we look at these ideas of what it looks like to usher in your kingdom of heaven, Father, I want to pray that this would not be a message that is heavy. I want to pray that this would be a message that is light. I want to pray that this would be a, a message that excites us. 
in fresh ways where we can usher in your kingdom of heaven for those who deeply, deeply need it. Father, I want to pray that you would renew us. I want to pray that you would plant gardens in our lives. For those of us who are experiencing deserts at the moment, Father, I want to pray that you would just rain from heaven, that your grace would be sufficient for us and that you would inspire us and, in, and help us to participate in the renewal of all things. Father, I thank you that your grace is really good. And so for those of us tonight who are, who are wrestling, who are dry, who are struggling, Father, I want to pray that your grace would just be over us and that you'd just meet us where we're at. And as you do that, Father, give us a deep desire to take on your heart, to care for the least of these, to care for the broken, and to go and do. And Father, we thank you that you have modeled this all for us. In your great name, amen.